Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. Jesus forgave us of all sin, past, present, and even future sin. Andrew brought good news to me. I could understand the Bible more the way he taught it. Jesus forgave you one time, and that's for everything. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Wednesday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. And again today, I'm continuing to talk about prayer. I tell you, this is just a vital part of any Christian's relationship with the Lord, or it should be. And, but I'm afraid that the way that prayer has been taught, and I'm saying a lot of these things based on my background, but you know what? I believe I've met millions of people that are just like me. They were raised in religion and stuff. And, and uh, from my background, the way that prayer was presented to me, it was more about trying to get something done, get something from God, interceding. We had our prayer list. We had all of these formulas and rituals. And yet it's just about relationship with God is I believe what I've come to see that prayer is primarily relationship with God. You know, in a husband and wife relationship, there is the physical intimate relationship, but you can't build a, a marriage off of that. I mean, that ought to be obvious because just about every single couple that ever gets together, they have the sexual physical relationship and yet that doesn't hold their marriage together. It's about relationship more than just these intense moments. Yes, there are times that I've had some times with the Lord where I mean, I remember one time in Vietnam that I was praying all night long and I was just laying before God and beseeching Him. I had so many things I was dealing with that I got so caught up in the Lord that the whole night went by. I don't know what happened. And when I woke up, I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cockroaches all over me and they were bitting me and I had bites and stuff and I was just totally oblivious to it. You know what? That was in prayer and I was caught up in the spirit and, and I've had time. I've had lots of ex special times with the Lord, but you know what? That's not all of the time. It's just like in a marriage relationship. There's these intimate moments, but marriage is primarily the everyday grind, just being together and learning how to relate. And that's what makes marriages work. You need to become friends with your mate, not just depend upon a sexual relationship. Well, likewise, there's some people that they have these intense moments with the Lord, but they want their whole relationship with God to be like that. And it's not going to be. God is not going to sit there and just every day you'll see bells and whistles and, and see angels and lightning flash and audible voice from God. The vast majority of time in prayer is going to be you just being with the Lord, loving God, worshiping Him, asking Him questions, getting directions, doing things, but you're just in conversation and it's relationship with the Lord. And if you have that, there will be these special times but I guarantee you those are not uh, every day, all day and stuff like this. You need to learn how to just love God and let God love you and enjoy His presence and be with Him. You know, that is so simple. I feel like some people discount it because it's not spectacular. I'm not teaching some great revelation here. But if you would just do what I'm talking about, if you would practice the presence of the Lord... I guarantee you, it would change your life. 
There was a book by that title, Practicing the Presence of the Lord by a, a monk somebody. I forgot his name right now, but anyway, he was a Catholic monk. And this has been hundreds of years ago. And this guy was so renowned for being able to hear from God and be in touch with God. He would bless people. He had words about people. And I mean, God was just evident in his life and he was famous and people would come to him and ask what the secret was. And they would ask how much time he spent in prayer and all of these things. And anyway, in this book, he just went through and talked about that. Yes, there were some special times where God did something, but he said that when he was washing dishes, when he was cooking food, when he was doing something that he felt the presence of God just as much then as when he was on his knees, when he was doing anything else. And I'm telling you, if you, I'm saying these things in love, but if you have to do something special, if you have to make an altar, if you have to be on your knees or have your hands folded or have your eyes closed, and, and if these are the only ways that you can contact the Lord, then your relationship with God is not what it's supposed to be. God just wants to be with you 24-7. He wants to be with you and your mind so stayed on Him and you're in communion with Him and prayer with Him at all times that you can't sit there and watch an X-rated or an R-rated movie and turn God off and put Him out of your mind and then go back the next morning and you fellowship with Him. But the rest of the day is yours and you're going to be as mean as a snake and stuff like that. I tell you, when you really get into relationship with God, it permeates every part of your being. It permeates what you watch. It permeates the things that you read, the people that you talk to, how you talk to them. And yet there's some people that can just turn their relationship with God on and turn it off. I'm telling you, that's not what God desires. God wants you, all of you, 24 hours a day. He wants you to be in relationship with Him. Look at this passage in John 3:16. This is a passage of Scripture that everybody should be able to quote from memory. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let me say what this verse does not say. God did not love the world so much that He gave His only begotten so that you wouldn't perish, period. The purpose of Jesus' coming wasn't just to keep you from perishing although that is one of the purposes, and He did accomplish that, and that's wonderful. And if that's all that Jesus accomplished, that's more than any of us deserve, and we should be able to love Him and worship Him and serve Him for that. But this says that He loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The real goal of salvation isn't not perishing, but it's having everlasting life. That's the goal of salvation. And sad to say, somewhere along the lines, the church just changed all of this and said the reason Jesus came was die for you so that you wouldn't go to hell. Well, now, not going to hell is a huge benefit, and it's an awesome benefit, and praise God for redeeming us from hell. But Jesus came and died to give us everlasting life. And it just so happened that our sins separated us 
from everlasting life. And the wages of those sins was death, according to Romans 6, 23. And so hell was the payment for our sin. And so Jesus did pay for our sins. He did wipe out this punishment of hell. And praise God, those who accept Him will never die. They will live forever, and that's great. But that is not why He came. He came to give us everlasting life, and, and hell and sin were just an obstacle that stood between us and what God really wanted us to have, which was everlasting life. I could say it this way. If the Lord could have produced everlasting life in us without paying for our sins and keeping us from perishing, then He would have done it. But the real goal wasn't just to keep us out of hell. It was everlasting life. That's what these verses are saying. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but in contrast to perishing, we should have everlasting life. Now, it hinders some people in understanding what this is talking about because they think, well, everlasting life is just living forever in heaven. And so they think that that's all off in the future. And so they look at this, that God gave Himself so that we could go to heaven instead of to hell. It's much more than that. Everlasting life. Look at this verse right here in the third chapter, down in the last verse of this. It says in verse 36, John 3, 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. This says that if you believe on Jesus, you already have everlasting life. It's not something that's going to start in heaven. This is what a lot of people think everlasting life is talking about. It's talking about living forever in heaven. But it says we have everlasting life right now. Let me turn over to John chapter 17 and read a portion of the prayer that Jesus made to His Father the night before His crucifixion. And it says in John chapter 17, verse 1, These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee. As Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. Now, Jesus is called the author of eternal life. And here is the author of eternal life defining what eternal life is. And so in verse 3, he says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is amazing. Again, people who think that everlasting life is living forever in heaven, they would be shocked at this definition. Jesus didn't even mention heaven. He said, This is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. Some people might say, Well, I'm disappointed. I think living forever in heaven is much better. That's a better definition of eternal life than what Jesus gave. But not really. When Jesus said that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom He has sent, this isn't talking about just intellectual knowledge, the way that we often say, Oh, I know this. You know, there's people that could say, you know, somebody says, well, have you ever heard of Andrew Womack? You say, oh yeah, I know him. You may have seen me on television. You may have read a book. You may have come to one of my meetings, but that doesn't mean that you know me. That means you know who I am. You have some information about me. But when Jesus said that they might know the only true God, this is using that word in the same sense that over in Genesis chapter 
uh, 4, it says, Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived and bore a son. And then he knew her again and she conceived and bore another son. All the way through the Bible, it uses this word know to describe the most intimate, personal relationship that two people can have among themselves. It's talking about intimacy. So when it says here that this is life eternal, that they might know, this is talking about that they might have an intimate, close, personal relationship with God and with Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is what eternal life is. This is why we have it now instead of waiting until we die and go to heaven. And in heaven, we are going to have close, intimate, personal relationship with God, but it's not reserved for heaven. You can have it right now. And put all of this back into John chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life, but have intimate, close, personal relationship with Him. This is what God saved you and me for. Again, I say that if He could have had this intimate, close, personal relationship with us without forgiving our sins and without saving us from perishing and going to hell, He would have done it. But it just so happened that our sin and the consequences of our sin was like a barrier that stood between us and God. And so He wanted relationship with you and with me, and so He sent His Son. He died for our sins. He broke down that barrier. He removed all of the consequences of separation between us and Him because of our sin. But He did those things not so that you just wouldn't perish. He did those things so that He could have this close, intimate, personal relationship with you and me. And here's a radical statement. Boy, you better hold on if you've never heard this before. But if you had came to Jesus... And if you made Him your Lord, and if you got your sins forgiven, and you were on your way to heaven, if you were to die right now, you would go straight to the presence of the Lord. But if you don't have close, intimate, personal relationship with God, everlasting life, you are missing the main purpose of salvation. The main purpose of salvation isn't getting your sins forgiven so you won't go to hell. The main purpose of salvation is having relationship with God, knowing God, making God your best friend, having relationship with Him. That's what salvation is all about. And that's not something that starts when you die and go to heaven. That is something that you can have right this moment, every moment of every day. You can be in close personal relationship. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, when you do this, it just solves, it solves everything. You know, I had a person come to me recently who was just brokenhearted because somebody had rejected them and didn't do something that they were supposed to do. And I admit that that's not good. And it's sad that people treat each other this way. But you know what? If you were in eternal life, if you were in intimate, close fellowship with God, you would get to a place to where who cares what some person does? God Almighty loves you. I was at a church recently and there was somebody that came up and they just, they were way overboard being impressed with me. They were talking about, I can't believe I'm shaking your hand. I can't believe I'm talking to you. And they were just going on and on. And man, made me want to throw up. And it was way overboard. And finally, 
I just stopped and I said, you know what? You need to spend some more time with God. And they just looked at me like, what are you saying? I said, if you spent time with God, you wouldn't be near as impressed with me. (laughs) And it kind of toned them down, shut them down. But you know what? If you were really experiencing God, if you were fellowshipping with God Almighty, you wouldn't be overwhelmed that you were here with a movie star or a sports figure or somebody that you've seen on TV or something. When you have that kind of a reaction, it shows that, man, you have not been in intimate, close, personal relationship with God. You know, I've been around some really, really, really famous people, and I could drop names and say things. And even though I respect those people and I honor them and I do get excited in the sense that, praise God, maybe there's something I can learn from them. Most of my people that I consider to be people that I really look up to, they're all believers. They're ministers and stuff like that. And when I get around them, I may be excited and think, man, I could be blessed by them. I could receive something from them. I can learn something from them. I'm not saying I despise them. But you know what? The way I keep from being intimidated is that God, compared to you, they're nothing. They're just like me. We've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. And because I have eternal life and relationship with God, I don't swoon and obsess over people. They're just like me or like you. And it, and it keeps your feet on the ground. When you make relationship with God, it, it's not that you like people disliking you and criticizing you. I don't like it. You know, I was ministering last week quite a bit. I talked a lot about homosexuality and I'll have people write me and hate me. The people who agree with me probably don't say anything. But the people who object, man, they'll be vocal and they'll say things. I don't like it. I don't like getting criticism. But you know, one of the ways I deal with it is that I have this eternal life. I have an intimate relationship with God and God tells me that He loves me and I feel the pleasure of God. And because of it, even though I may not like you rejecting me, compared to God, you're nobody. And it just shrinks the problem down and it's no big deal. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 says, Faith works by love. And if you are really intimate with the Lord and have close relationship with Him, you will experience His love because God is love. 1 John 4, 8, God is love. That's who He is. You get into close relationship with God, you are going to be baptized. I mean, in love. It's going to overwhelm you. And when you are in love, faith works by love. And all of a sudden, you'll find out it's no big deal to believe God. I'm having to believe God for hundreds of millions of dollars to build a Bible college campus and reach people on every level, spirit, soul, and body. And there's a huge thing. And yet I never spend time asking God for money because I love Him. I know that He loves me. To the best of my ability, I'm following Him and doing what He told me to do. And I just don't ever worry about money. It's been decades since I've prayed and asked God for money. And I just am in communion with Him. When you are in fellowship with the Lord, you just have a trust. Faith works by love. There's a lot of people that hear teaching on faith and they're trying to work the principles and they're going through the motions and yet they aren't seeing the results and they're frustrated and they're anxious and they're worried and on and on. And it's because they aren't really connecting with the Lord. They aren't in everlasting life. They aren't in eternal life. They don't really know God. They know the principles of God. They've heard somebody else and they're trying to do what that person did to obtain things, but they don't have a relationship with God. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, everything, everything comes out of this. 
I had a guy at our school who was talking about prayer and how you need to spend hours a day praying. Well, I would agree. I, I would say it this way. I don't, if you've listened to me a lot, I, you've never heard me talk about that you need to spend hours a day praying. Now, I've given testimony about how I did spend hours a day praying and I may mention it. And, and there are times like yesterday, or I guess it was day before, I probably spent over an hour, an hour and a half praying as I was walking on a trail and doing some things. I do spend time praying. Sometimes I spend hours just, you know, praying in tongues or shut up, uh, focused only on the Lord. But it's not every day. It's not all day. The vast majority of my time, I am in communion with the Lord. I am singing, worshiping, listening to a teaching, studying the Word. But at the very least, I'm thinking about the Lord, seeking, opening my heart to listen. That's prayer. I'm meditating. It's prayer. And I have that relationship with God. So the way I would say it is, you'll hear me talk a lot about relationship with God, about eternal life, but you don't hear me talk about prayer. Prayer to me is just like a vehicle. And the vehicle isn't the issue. It's where that vehicle takes you. To me, relationship with God is the goal. And prayer is just something I use. Communion with God is something I use to get there. But I do not sit here and glorify prayer and talk about you've got to spend X number of time praying and you got to say this when you pray and do this. I'll talk about relationship with the Lord and you are not going to have a close, intimate, personal relationship with the Lord if you don't spend any time with Him, if you don't talk to Him and let Him talk to you, which is what prayer is. So instead of glorifying the vehicle, I just get in it and go where I need to go. I pray constantly. I'm in communion with the Lord, but prayer isn't my focus. I'm not out to meet some goal. I don't have a quota to meet. It's all about relationship with God. And I'm trying to get across that I believe this is a better way to pray. I am seeing greater results. God has spoken to me. God is telling me things. I mean, I've had miraculous things that couldn't come any other way except God speaking to me. And it doesn't come through me just spending hour after hour after hour in a monologue where I am telling God something and telling Him what He needs to do and asking Him for things. It comes through fellowship. It comes through relationship with God, which I believe is prayer. And God has spoken things to me that not only have changed my life, but they've changed the lives of millions of other people. And it's making a difference in this world. We have people all over this world today that are being influenced by this ministry. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm saying it to say that it's working. God is speaking to me and communing with me and it's changing me and it's changing other people. I can see the fruit of it. And I'm telling you, I don't spend huge amounts of time shut up someplace with my eyes closed just praying. I just converse with God. I fellowship with God. I'm having what I believe the Bible calls everlasting life. That's the purpose of salvation and I would recommend it to you. This is a better way to pray. I have this teaching in book form. We also have a study guide and our CDs and DVDs. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this would bless you and you need to get the full teaching to have it to go back over. Listen to our announcer and he's going to share some information with you and please call or write and request these materials. Andrew's complete teaching titled, A Better Way to Pray, is available as a book in either English or Spanish. Today, Andrew would like to offer this book as his free gift to you. 
Go to awmi.net to get your copy today. This offer is limited to one free book per household and is only available in the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Australia. A Better Way to Pray is also available as a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast and as a companion study guide. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. This entire series is also available for audio download absolutely free from our website. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get this teaching. I'd like to ask you to pray about becoming a partner with us. You know, our ministry is based in the United States, but we have 16 offices around the world. We've got all together around 70 Bible schools scattered around the world. And we actually reach more people outside of the U.S. than we do in the U.S. And we need partners to enable us to do that. And so I'd like to encourage you to join with us. There are great benefits to you being a partner, not only in eternity, but here in this life. So if you are looking for a good return on your investment, I believe that this is a good ministry. It'll touch you right where you are. So join with us and become a partner with us today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of June, Andrew will be in Woodland Park, Colorado, hosting the annual Summer Family Bible Conference. This event is loaded with activities for the whole family. Guest speakers will include Carrie Pickett, Bill Federer, Greg Moore, Billy Epperhart, Barry Bennett, Stephen Bransford, Paul Milligan, and pastors Lawson Perdue and Mark Coward. And on the 4th of July, don't miss our special patriotic musical production titled, In God We Trust. Also in July, Andrew will be in College Park, Georgia, speaking at Creflo and Taffy Dollar's Grace Life Conference. Next, come to Woodland Park for the Kingdom Youth Conference. Speakers at this event include Ryan Edberg, Brian Head Welch, and Joseph Z with worship performances by the bands Bread of Stone and Verses. Please note that Andrew will not be speaking at this event. Also in July, Andrew will be hosting a special Karis Day live stream event. Please note that the main campus in Woodland Park will not be open to guests. This event will take place only at participating Karis Extension campuses worldwide. Lastly, Join Andrew in Chicago for a Gospel Truth Conference with guest speaker, Pastor Dwayne Sheriff. And in August, Andrew will be in Woodland Park, Colorado, hosting our annual Healing is Here Conference. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net. 
Harris, an accredited Bible college in the beautiful town of Woodland Park, has been changing people's lives for over 25 years. The people here are so like-minded. They want to help you grow. These are people who genuinely care about you. They want the best for you. Be prepared to be blown away with the teachings. It's not just a season in your life. There's no way you can't change. You can't really go wrong going to a place that you get to sit and listen to the Word for four hours a day. Being under the Word that much just allowed God to pour so much into me. If you feel supernatural peace about coming to Karis, that's God. I know you're like, how, when, where, all these questions, just do it. The Lord will provide. I was doubting and second-guessing it, but when I took that step of faith, immediately, like, things were provided. Just being around like-minded believers, teachers who are there for you and ready to talk to you at any moment and answer your questions, there's just nothing like it. Just follow the leading of the one that you serve, and that's always going to be the right direction to go. 